now that the 12 to 18 is eligible to be vaccinated, they have some questions. They have some, you know, some thoughts. They want some answers to some of the things that affect them and what they're hearing about it. And now there's a really neat idea that's taking place. It's a virtual vaccine confidence clinic for kids in Calgary. Now, we're going to chat with Dr. Cora Constantinescu about this. She's a pediatric infectious disease doctor at the University of Calgary involved with this program. Doc, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. I appreciate it. Hi, Shay. Good morning. Now, sounds like a wonderful idea. Just give us the, the, the lay of the land. What is a virtual vaccine confidence clinic? How does it work? Well, you know, you did a fantastic job of describing exactly who this clinic is for. So what is, this clinic is there to support people as they're making this vaccination decision for mm-hmm. their kids and also to support teenagers as they're making this vaccination decision for themselves. And um, we know that many people have a really trusted relationship with their family doctor, and we definitely want to support that. That's a really, you know, we want people to go to their family doctors with questions and concerns. But for those people who may want a bit more of a specialized or a nuanced kind of conversation, and the family doctor feels that um, that particular patient needs just a bit more information or uh, maybe more um, specific information, then this clinic is for them. And um, it's all done via, so we, I, we don't, uh, at the Vaccine Essency Clinic, the Children's Hospital and the University, we're only providing the um, education and the, uh, the material support for them in terms of keeping these providers up to date with information. But all the work is done by our community partners, such as virtual kids and some community pediatricians who have stepped forward saying they're ready to help and support parents when they make this decision. And what kind of things are we, I mean, when we, because like I hear from the listeners who say, hey, let's, you know, I have some questions, I have some concerns, you know, and, and they're, they're legitimate, Doc. I mean, I'm, I'm not here to say that those questions and those concerns shouldn't be asked and addressed, but they need to be addressed by, by doctors, right? So you're a great source for this information. What kind of things are people concerned about? What kind of questions are coming to you? You know, you're putting it in just the perfect way. So this is not about persuading or coercion or convincing anybody to do anything. It's about supporting people when they're making this decision. Because as you put forth so well, people have very legitimate concerns and questions. And what we see is that most of the concerns, especially from parents, come around safety. Is this a safe vaccine for my child? Right. And some parents wonder, is this, you know, how is this vaccine going to affect my kid? And the largest number of people, however, who need this kind of resource are those people who feel that maybe there's something different in my child's history or my family history. And how is this vaccine decision, how can it be personalized to our family and our situation? And that's usually where most people are coming from. You know, they may say, my kid has had this condition in the past. How is this vaccine going to potentially affect that? How is it going to give them the benefits of having it? Um, So it's usually a very personalized type of request that people come in with. And first of all, I applaud them for seeking out answers to the questions and concerns that they have and going about and trying to get the information. Um, Do you find that after you've had the discussion, you can show them and, and, and reassure them and make them feel better about the decision? You know, so we've just launched this particular um, uh, program last week, so we don't have a lot of information on how well it's working. But what I can tell you is that at the Children's Hospital, we've been running the vaccine hesitancy clinic. So this is not just around COVID-19 vaccines, but around all childhood vaccines. We've been running it for a number of years. Yeah. And 
we always come at it from this perspective of saying, you know, these people who are coming in to seek advice are trying to make the best decision they can for their kids. And we want to show them that this is a collaborative thing. We're supporting them on making this decision. And usually we've had really good success, not just in uptake. So we do see people go ahead and, and have a vaccine after they have this conversation, but also in trust, um, trusting their healthcare provider, trusting the system, seeing that, you know, uh, <laughs> there, is, there isn't judgment there. We're mm-hmm. just trying to support them. And I think that's success, too, because that's going to affect their perception of other vaccines, of other medical interventions as well for their kid in the future. Um, You know, one of the questions that I often get, and you know what, on the surface, it seems to make sense. People are saying, we know that kids don't get sick from this uh, to the same extent that older people do. Why would I go and put this vaccine into my child when I know that even if they got sick, they would probably be fine? Um, On the surface, that kind of makes sense. So what would you tell somebody in that instance where, well, why would I vaccinate my kid, my 12-year-old? Even if they got it, we were told that they're not going to get that ill. You know, I'm a, I'm a pediatrician and a mom, so I've had to think of this decision both professionally and personally. I have three kids myself, and it's true that this virus has spared children compared to adults, but it's not that it's completely safe or that all kids are doing well. For example, in the U.S., two times more children have died of COVID in the same um, time frame as would have died of influenza in a strong influenza season. So it's not benign. Uh, we do see kids admitted to ICU, admitted to, admitted to hospital. We see kids having multi-system inflammation post this disease. So it's not that all kids are all perfectly fine. And, you know, I'm an infectious disease specialist. So we do see these more um, the hospitalized cases that most parents don't necessarily hear about or know about. So there is that benefit of personal protection. And then my biggest thing about this is that our kids have lost so much over the last year. Right. We're seeing our teens affected so badly in terms of mental health, socialization, education. And this vaccine, they can can contribute to that community protection and bring us all back to as much of a normal as they can. And when you ask teens, which is interesting about why they're, you know, rushing forth to get it, because we've seen that almost more than 30% of our teens have actually gone ahead and had this vaccine. That's their big reason. They're saying, I just want to go back to having in-person learning, to seeing my friends, doing all these things that kids are supposed to be doing. I'm sure I'll have one more question and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, And it's one that I get all the time and I'm sure it's one you get all the time. What about long-term effects? We don't know. These are new vaccines. What about long-term effects? You know, I think it's natural for people to think that as a parent, we, we think of long-term effects all the time, you know, screen time, what kind of food our kids eat. Yeah. So it's very normal and natural for parents to come at this question. Um, a few things on that. First, every time people have looked at long-term effects, so anything that comes up after six weeks after a vaccine, they've never found an association in previous vaccines. And man, we've looked really hard, you know, think of autism and MMR. Every time we've looked, there hasn't been an association. So we don't have a history of long-term effects after that six-week period of association. And um, and also, so far, when we look at long-term effects of this vaccine in older teenagers, like 16 and 17-year-olds, we have over 3 million of those having been immunized in the U.S. Again, we haven't seen any long-term effects past that six- to eight-week mark after the vaccine. But what we do know 
is that COVID, the disease, long-term effects are significant. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to recognize them in kids as well in terms of long COVID. And that, to me, is a real worry and fear to think that my kid could have a pretty mild disease and yet have long-term debilitating health and mental health issues associated with it. So again, you have to put it all into perspective. No real evidence so far that we have any long-term effects of previous vaccines or COVID, but we sure have long-term effects of the disease. Excellent information, doctor. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Really nice talking to you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Thanks very much. That is Dr. Cora Constantinescu, who is a pediatric infectious disease doctor at the University of Calgary and one of a group of doctors who has put together this new vaccine hesitancy clinic. Uh, If you would like to get involved and if you would like to check it out, um, they do have a website. I'm just trying to find out what it is here. Okay, I'll get that for you. Uh, The virtual clinic, I believe it's called virtual kids. Yeah, that's it. Virtualkids.ca. If you want more information, you can check it out there.